Spiritual Sword Media presents The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. And now, Mike Hickson. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. We're going to be looking at 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 22 in our study together. The theme of our study today you don't want to go back. And really the idea is, once you become a child of God, under no circumstances do you want to go back to the world. Because after all, you have been so richly blessed by Almighty God. And so I want us to look for a moment or two at what Peter records in verses 20 through 22. As we think about the theme, you don't want to go back. The first thing that I call your attention to has to do with our escape. And when I talk about our escape, I'm really emphasizing the liberation that we enjoy from sin. The liberation that has been made possible by the Lord Jesus Christ. So look at what Peter says, beginning in verse 20. For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, back in chapter 1 of this book, Peter talks about how, as the people of God, the Lord has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the revealed will of Almighty God, through the Bible. You and I have everything that we need to know about life and godliness. It is a result of our obedience to the gospel that we become a partaker of the divine nature. And thus Peter says we escape the corruption, the pollution that is in the world through lust. What about our obedience to the gospel? What are some of the great blessings that we enjoy? Peter said we have escaped the corruption, the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. What are some of the things that you and I enjoy? Well, first of all, we are blessed with freedom in Christ. Jesus said in John 8, verse 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. When we obey the gospel of Christ, we enjoy freedom or liberation from sin. Now this is tied to the fact that we have forgiveness in Christ. When Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, he said, In whom we have Redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. And so you and I, as a result of our obedience to the gospel, we are said to be free. We have freedom in Christ. We also have forgiveness in Christ. But that's not all. The Bible also tells us that we are blessed with a great fortune in Christ. Now you might ask the question, what about this fortune that we have in Christ Jesus? Well, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 1 at verse 3, 
that we enjoy every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And so you and I have been richly blessed with an abundance of spiritual blessings. Spiritual blessings that include, as I said a moment ago, our freedom from sin, our forgiveness from sin, but also think about the opportunity to approach the throne of God in prayer. Is that not one of God's great and rich blessings that he has bestowed on us? Peter said, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. In 1 Peter 3 at verse 12, we have the promise that the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us, according to the Hebrew writer in chapter 13. And so these are scriptures that amplify the great fortune that we have in Christ. And then there is the idea of our fruitfulness in Christ. Now, when Paul wrote to the saints in Rome, he talked about how they had obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that had been delivered to them. And he said, being now made free from sin, you have become the servants of righteousness. Down in verse 22 of Romans chapter 6, he asked the question, What fruit had you in those things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. You and I as God's people, we are to bear fruit in our lives. The fruit that we bear ultimately is to bring honor and glory to God. Jesus said in John 15 verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So when you and I escape the corruption, the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what then do we enjoy? Freedom. We enjoy freedom in Christ. Not only do we enjoy freedom in Christ, but forgiveness in Christ. God has bestowed on us a great fortune in Christ. And God wants us to be fruitful for His glory, for His purpose. But then also I would suggest that we have a future with Christ. You see, when you and I were in the world, we had no future. Paul said we lived without hope and without God in Ephesians 2 at verse 12. But in Christ Jesus, everything has changed. We now have hope. As a matter of fact, in 2 Peter chapter 3 at verse 13, the Apostle Peter said, Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. You and I have hope as the people of God. We have escaped the corruptions that are in the world through lust. We have escaped the defilements of this world. We have been so richly blessed. Now here's the question. In light of everything that God through Christ has done for us, why would you want to go back? The truth of the matter is, you don't want to go back. We talk about all of the great resources and blessings that we enjoy in Christ Jesus. And I don't think that there's any way that you and I can compare the spiritual blessings that we enjoy in Christ to the things that we have in this world. Let me just ask this question. If somebody were to give you several million dollars, would you be a good steward of it? 
Would you squander it? Would you throw it away? Or would you try to, in a very wise manner, be a prudent steward over that which you had been so richly blessed with? I suspect that you, as well as me, would want to be a good steward. We'd want to try to hold on to it, to use it in a productive way. Well, sometimes we can see the importance of holding on to those material possessions, those earthly riches, and we don't want to do anything to undermine our earthly prosperity. We wouldn't throw it away for anything, but we will throw our spiritual blessings, our spiritual wealth to the wind. Why is that? Why would we do that? Peter is saying, as a child of God, you don't want to go back. You don't want to do that. All right, number two. We have not just our escape pictured, but also the Bible presents our entanglement. This has to do with abomination in sin. There is the liberation from sin, but there is the potential of going back to sin. And so look now at what Peter says. For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. That's what Peter's talking about. Here is a child of God. Here is somebody who has obeyed the gospel. They have escaped the corruptions that are in the world through lust. They have been made white by the blood of the Lamb, and now they've chosen to go back into the world. They have been ensnared by the devil. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 26, the Apostle Paul talks about those who have been taken captive by the devil to do his will. If you go back into the world, then ultimately what you have done is become prey for the devil. You're his prisoner. He has captured you. He has taken you captive. And so, with that in mind, the first thing that I want to call your attention to is the abandonment of the right way. If you are entangled again in the world. What happens is you abandon the right way. The inference is that there is a right way and a wrong way. There is a good path and an evil path. All right, now back up if you would and note what Peter says in verse 15. In verse 15 he says, they have forsaken the right way. If you abandon the right way. In effect, what you are doing is forsaking the Lord. You're forsaking the Lord and the way of the Lord. You're giving up on the will of the Lord. Now, I asked just a moment ago, why would anyone, in light of all of the great blessings and favors that we enjoy in Christ, why would anyone make the deliberate decision to go back into the world? It doesn't make any sense. Peter said they have forsaken the right way. 
Now I want you to link to this idea of forsaking the right way this thought. Once you forsake the right way, you will forget the right way. What's the old saying? Out of sight, out of mind. If you don't use it, you lose it. Think back to the people during the days of Jeremiah. Jeremiah began prophesying on the eve of Babylonian captivity. And in Jeremiah chapter 2 at verse 32, Jeremiah said, or asked the question, Can a maid forget her ornaments, or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. God had been so good to ancient Israel. He had delivered them from Egyptian bondage. He had made them his own people, a special people. He had bestowed on them all of his favors and blessings. He had entered into a covenant relationship with them. As a matter of fact, Moses, back in Exodus chapter 19 at verse 3, God reminds Moses of what he had done for Israel by delivering them out of captivity. He said, I bore them on eagles' wings and brought them unto myself. Here was a gracious God, a good God, and yet now during the days of Jeremiah, Jeremiah says, they have forgotten the Lord. That's, what's, that's what happens when you forsake the right way. You forget the Lord. You forget the right way. Now you might ask the question, how, is it po- how would it be possible for someone to forget the right way, to forget the love of God? Well, just think about the Lord's Supper. One of the benefits of partaking of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week is that it helps us to bring to mind the death of Jesus. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper during the Passover meal, He took the bread and He said, This is my body, this do in remembrance of me. Now if you look at the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, There's a correlation between apostasy and forsaking the assembly. When people quit coming to worship, when they're not regular in their worship to Almighty God, ultimately they start forgetting. They forget about all of the blessings and favors that they enjoy with God. And so, Peter here is talking about people who forsake the right way, And once you forsake the right way, you will forget the right way. Hosea, in the long ago, he indicted God's people. He said in the long ago, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, you might ask the question, how could that have been? They, that is Israel, had been entrusted with the law of God, the oracles of God, based on what Paul said in Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And yet Hosea is saying, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Over in chapter 8 at verse 12, here's what God through the prophet said. I gave unto them the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. God gave them his law. He gave them a great and a good law, and yet Because of their biblical illiteracy, 
because of their spiritual indifference, God said, my word is a strange thing to your ears. That's what we're talking about, forgetting the right way. You see, there are some folks that they leave the Lord, they forsake the right way, and then they begin distancing themselves from the will of God. And over a period of time, they forget. They forget about all of the blessings they enjoyed in Christ as well as the great opportunities for service. So first of all, there is the abandonment of the right way. Now once you abandon the right way, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be apprehended by the wrong way. If you leave the right way, guess what? You're headed for the wrong way. If you leave the path of righteousness, then you're headed for the path of unrighteousness. That's what happens. So, what about being apprehended by the wrong way? What's that all about? Well, first of all, there is the seduction of sin. You and I have to understand that Satan's doing everything he can to bait us. He's not worried about the world because he already has the world in his clutches. The people he's after are you and me. Satan is after us. God is for us, but Satan is against us. The Bible tells us, be sober. Be vigilant. For your adversary the devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He goes on to say in 1 Peter chapter 5 at verse 9, whom withstand steadfast in the faith. What about the seduction of sin? In James chapter 1, James said, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust. And lust, when it has conceived, brings forth sin. What's Satan trying to do to us? What Satan is trying to do is literally to bait and hook. He wants you in his clutches. He wants to capture you as his prisoner. And so he's going to do whatever it takes to seduce you. And once he seduces you, here's what's going to happen. You're going to become a slave of Satan. Note, if you would, what is said in verse 19. The Apostle Peter says, for by whom a person is overcome, by him also is he brought into bondage. When you leave the Lord, when you choose to go back into the world, you become a captive slave of the devil. Now there are reasons why people go back into the world. Jesus identified some of those reasons in Matthew chapter 13. He talked about some who stumble because of 
tribulation and persecution that arises over the word. He also speaks about some who will leave the faith because of the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. I don't know where you are spiritually speaking, but I know this. The devil is at work. What he wants to do is take you as a child of God and destroy your faith. How's he going to do it? He may use tribulation. He may use persecution. He may use the cares of this world. He might use the deceitfulness of riches. He might use discouragement. He might use any number of things. What you have to do is be on guard. So first of all, our escape is pictured. And then secondly, our entanglement. Finally, Peter describes our end. Note again what Peter said. And now we're going to talk about condemnation in sin. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. The first thing that I would call your attention to is the danger, the peril of leaving the law. I said a moment ago, you don't want to go back. You may look at the world and you might see the glitter and the gold and the attraction of sin and you might, you might think about the pleasures of sin and the Bible speaks of the pleasures of sin in connection with the life of Moses in Hebrews chapter 11. It might look inviting, it might look tantalizing, it might look like it would be something that you would so richly enjoy. Peter's saying, you don't want to go back. Peter's saying, if you go back, you need to understand your spiritual state is worse than if you had ever obeyed the gospel of Christ. Sometimes we talk about degrees of rewards and punishment. Well, I think here the apostle Peter is stating unequivocally that there are degrees of punishment. You take somebody that has heard the gospel of Christ, they've obeyed that gospel, they have said that they're going to live a faithful life to the one to whom they are married, that being Jesus Christ, and God has so richly blessed them, and then they choose to go back into the world. Peter's saying, you need to understand something. You are going to pay for that way of life. Peter said the latter end is worse for them than, than the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. With opportunity comes responsibility. You do not want to go back into the world, I'm telling you. If you go back into the world, it's not just a dangerous thing. Not only are you on thin ice spiritually, but the sentence... It's not a pretty one. It's doom. 
Note the picture that Peter paints. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to his own vomit. Now you want to talk about something that is repulsive? Maybe you like me have seen a dog vomit on the pavement or on the floor and then turn right around and lick that vomit up. That's repulsive. And what Peter is saying is when God's people turn their back on him and go back into the world after they have escaped all of the defilements of this world, it is repulsive in the eyes of God. That's what Peter's saying. You need to understand, if you've gone back into the world, that's the picture. Not just that picture, but he continues. And a sow, having washed to her wallowing in the mire, in the mud. I remember many years ago a friend of mine who is now deceased. He talked about how you could take a pig out of a pig pen and you could clean that pig up. But he said, you know what? You can clean that pig up, but it's going right back to the pig pen. Picture here is of a child of God who's been washed, who's been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. They are a member of the church of Christ. They belong to the Lord. And now they have left Him. And what Peter is saying is they've gone back to the mud pile. You don't want to go back. Don't even think about it. It might be the case that you've been some places and days gone by. Maybe you visited certain places and you have summed up your trip by telling another person, we're not going back. Well, when you obeyed the gospel of Christ, what you were saying was, I'm going to serve the Lord come what may. I'm going to be faithful until death. Here's the question. Have you revoked your word? Have you gone back into the world? If you've gone back into the world, the remedy is repentance. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is concerned about His people, and one of the things God is concerned about is that His people, Live faithfully. Now I understand that, that sometimes we stumble and we fall. I understand that living the Christian life can be difficult. But there is a difference in stumbling and falling and getting up on our feet and saying to God, I'm going to do better, putting whatever we've done in the past through repentance and going forward. There is a tremendous difference in that Somebody just saying, I'm done. I'm through with Christianity. I'm leaving the Lord. And bear in mind that apostasy is not something that typically occurs overnight. It is a gradual thing. 
This morning, I want to close by saying, if you're a child of God, you don't want to go back. The world has nothing to offer. It may look glamorous. It might look inviting. But I'm telling you, it is a death sentence. If you go back, you're going to be lost, severed from the presence of Almighty God forevermore. What I want to encourage you to do is to be faithful to the Lord. How do you build a strong church? You build a strong church by faithfulness. Faithfulness to God, faithfulness to His Word. If you're here today and you're not faithful to the cause of Christ, could we pray with you and for you? We would be happy as brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for you, to pray with you. The Bible assures us God will abundantly pardon, 1 John 1, 9. If you're here today and maybe you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ, well, this is your golden opportunity because all you need to do today is to act upon your faith. I know you believe Jesus is the Son of God. You wouldn't be here. And then repent, turn from a life of sin, as Jesus said in Luke 13, 3. Confess his name before others, Matthew 10, 32. Be baptized, be immersed in water for the remission of your sins, Acts 2, verse 38. When you do that, God will add you to the church, Acts 2, 47. Then what the Lord wants, faithfulness till death, Revelation 2, 10. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again and to see video archives, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Fasten to the rock which cannot move. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.